0: Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard.
1: Hi, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. I was just talking to my engineer. It's 112 in Phoenix. It's about 111 LLA, so we are all boiling. This is a show for entrepreneurs, for small businesses. You're the people that are going to grow this economy. You're the people that are going to create more jobs, and you're the people that are going to change the economic fortunes of this country. You'll start the, kickstart the economy, kickstart the recovery, And build high-paying, high-skilled jobs that are suitable for the 21st century. Now, those of you who've listened to this show regularly over the past few months, you'll you'll know that I passionately promote the cause of the entrepreneur. There's no question that we have a two-speed economy, but when you go out to restaurants, doesn't matter what night, they're all busy. If you go to the mall, as I did last Sunday, the shops are doing brisk business. People everywhere walking around with label carry bags. Now, understanding the two-speed economy is really very easy. People with the 21st century jobs, who are technologically literate, are doing well. The overwhelming percentage of people who are unemployed had 20th century jobs. And make no mistake, these jobs are gone forever. They're not coming back. So that means there's no quick fix to hire the 13 million or so people that are out of work. The key is retraining them. And this is a job for both the private and public sector, and it will take some time. Don't listen to his Romney and he's going to get all these people back to work in five minutes. It is impossible. Now, the only way we can grow the economy, reduce the widening gap between the rich and the poor, Get everybody back to work and reduce the deficit is by investing in entrepreneurs and in startups. I've said previously a number of times, the 16% of students who start businesses in college should receive a combination of both low interest loans and grants. If after 12 months their business is growing and employing people, then the loans should be forgiven. And all states in the union should invest in incubators and mentoring programs like the Louisiana Experience, which has created tens of thousands of jobs and kick-started over 2,000 businesses. It makes logical financial sense. Why the hell aren't the states doing it? So they scream that they're poor and they're broke. Well, the only way they're going to get out of being broke Is to develop business, and the only way to develop business is to invest on it. In it, we need to develop mentor programs where successful people assist entrepreneurs in their businesses. The metal organisation that I belong to in LA totally revolves around assisting others to be successful. Now, metal stands for media entertainment technology alpha leaders. So they're all 21st century people. And members are encouraged to communicate freely with each other, give each other credit, and to give each other currency. That means use people in the group wherever you can for the work you need done and pay them for it either in kind or in money. And since I've been a member... I've met literally dozens of people that can be assistance to me and I'm currently working on projects with three of the members. It is an amazing experience both learning-wise and for business. So I urge you, no matter where you are in the world, join a business or entrepreneurs group. Share your expertise, share your contacts, share your facilities to help other entrepreneurs To be successful now if you have any doubt as to where the business the employees and the generation of wealth is going to come from in the future consider this General Motors employs 68,000 people mainly in 20th century jobs which tend to be relatively low paying on the other hand Facebook has been responsible for the creation of 540,000 – that's nearly 10 times as many, primarily 21st century high-paying jobs. A major difference also is that the 21st century workforce, they continue to be educated with the new innovations and the new apps and the new technology that's around them. So they continue to evolve with 20th century job environment there is little to no education the government and that includes both parties as useless as they are and the white house need to get off their collective asses and vigorously vigorously encourage entrepreneurs there needs to be much more collaboration on providing facilities expertise mentoring and funding to startups and early-stage businesses. We should take the proposed tax on the 1% richest Americans, but don't use it to pay down the debt, which will just get pissed away somewhere and have very little effect. But we need to use it to subsidise innovation by entrepreneurs. This will grow the economy exponentially, which will have a far greater impact on reducing the debt. And I am very confident that the wealthy, if they knew their money was going to help other business people, would enthusiastically support this program if it was administered properly. You know, lending by banks to small businesses dropped 5% from May to June, according to PayNet. In June, banks had $606 billion in loans to small businesses compared to $652 in loans to small businesses only a year ago. And despite the belief that banks are making it harder for small companies to borrow, Paynet research shows that banks are actually making it easier, with only 7% of respondents in June saying that loans were hard to get. 7%. Our new companies regardless of their size, account for only 3% of of employment, but almost 20% of new job creation. So new companies are critical to the growth of the job market. When politicians criticise government for business strangling regulation, you always see them go on about red tape strangling small businesses. That's simply Bullshit. 98% of small businesses fail. And this has got absolutely nothing to do with government regulation. They fail because they're bloody hopeless at business. The World Bank's Doing Business Annual Report gives the US the second highest ranking among the world's ten biggest economies when it comes to the ease of starting a business. So it's not hard to start a business. We need to look much deeper at the root causes. So instead of Obama and Romney screaming at each other about which one of them's more supportive of small business and bloody neither of them are, they should be telling us what they're going to do to create an environment where starting a new business is easy and put in place support mechanisms to give entrepreneurs the skills they need to be able to run a business. The problem facing most entrepreneurs is not a lack of funding, although almost 99% of entrepreneurs seem to believe that it is, but it is really a lack of knowledge and real-world experience that is the problem. I receive well over a hundred business plans from startups and early stage businesses every single week. Over a hundred. And 99% of them do not have a clue about the real world. The typical entrepreneur has absolutely no experience and knows virtually nothing about running a business. As I said last week, a computer programmer with the world's most brilliant idea Once he begins a business, he's no longer a computer programmer. He's now a business owner. And that requires a totally different range of skill sets. I think it's fair to say that irrespective of the education you got in college, you've been taught absolutely nothing that will assist you to run a business. And even if you've had experience working for a company before going out on your own, Your experience is It's from the perspective of an employee. It's not like sitting behind the desk and having to do it. And when you're in the hot seat, running a business is a totally different ballgame. You suddenly need to be a master of marketing, of finance, operation, and sales. All skills that you most likely have absolutely no experience in. And once you begin to employ people, now you need to be an inspiring leader. You've got to be a motivator, a good manager, and, of course, an HR expert. And we've all heard over and over again that we need to work smarter, not harder. And this becomes more and more true as the company gets more mature and grows. The problem is that you're unable to work smarter without a great deal of knowledge, experience, and management skills. All of the research that I've seen suggests that the product, no matter how bloody brilliant it is, contributes only about 15% to the success of any business. Having all the funds you need contributes another 15%. So that's still only 30% of what you need to be successful. The 70% that will decide the success of the business is what most small businesses don't have. In a lot of ways, the first 30%, the product and the money, that's the easiest part of the battle for success. There are trillions of dollars floating around every day looking for great investments. I get told over and over again by investors that there's plenty of money out there. There's just very few great projects. Now, most of the 120 or so business plans I get each week are simply suitable for firewood. They are atrocious. I can take one look at a business plan and know instantly whether or not the entrepreneur has any chance whatsoever of obtaining funding, irrespective of how bloody brilliant the project is. Secondly... Investors are not interested in the first interest instance at looking at a business plan. They want an investment plan. They want to know what the opportunity is, how your product addresses this opportunity, what competition you have, the competitive advantage that you enjoy, and they want to know that you have the skills in management to take advantage of the opportunity. They also want to know what marketing strategy you have to penetrate the market. And they want to know this in two or three pages, not a bloody 50-page business plan. I also frequently see companies. I frequently see companies who, once they receive funding, didn't manage it wisely. So instead of working off aggressively challenged budget budgets, they begin to spend on things that were not in the initial budget at all. The result is they run out of money. Then obtaining more money becomes much more difficult. So how do entrepreneurs keep the business alive? Well, they work 18 hours a day, seven days a week, and the more tired they get, the little experience they do have in leadership, management, operations, marketing, sales, and HR, it goes totally out the window. The business survives as long as the entrepreneur has the drive and the passion to continue. The harder and harder it becomes, the less likely the business is to succeed. So how do we solve this? How can entrepreneurs get the knowledge and experience they need to create a successful startup that will survive? We need seasoned, successful business owners being mentors to work with startups and entrepreneurs in the areas of leadership, etc. This applies to any size business anywhere in the world, in any industry, and in any market segment. So don't forget to email me at bob at bobpritchard.com. Tweet me at the Bob Pritchard. Join me on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Google+. Contact me in any way that takes your fancy. Just don't ignore me. I'm Bob Pritchard, and I'll be back in just a moment. With my first guest.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. This is a show for entrepreneurs, small businesses, and uh, start-up companies to help you not make the mistakes that those of us, like me, made many times before. This is a segment where we speak to people who have done extraordinary things, people outside the mainstream businesses who think differently, and are hugely successful. And when we think of entrepreneurs, we usually think of somebody who has created some amazing technology, a Mark Zuckerberg, or they've taken an established industry to a new level, like a Richard Branson. My guest today has an extraordinary track record that is is as amazing as it is unusual and long. Richard Bangs is a guy that billionaires go to to organise unbelievable unique holidays and trips. In the early 90s, Richard produced the first internet travel site and the first virtual expedition. He was founder and editor-in-chief of Mungo Park, a pioneering Microsoft travel effort. He was part of the founding executive team of Expedia.com. He was president of Outward Bound. He founded Welltravel.com for Slate. And that just scratches the surface of Richard's achievement. He's often been called the father of modern adventure travel and the pioneer of travel that makes a difference, travel with a purpose. He spent 30 years as an explorer and communicator, led the first descents of 35 rivers across the world, including the Yangtze in China and the Zambezi in Southern Africa. He recently co-directed the IMAX film Mystery of the Nile. Richard has published a 1,000 magazine articles, 19 books. God, I've published five and I seem to have spent my whole life writing them. 19 books, a score of documentaries and several CD-ROMs. He's lectured at the Smithsonian, the National Geographic Society and the Explorers Club, among others. For various works, Richards won the National Outdoor Book Award, the Lowell Thomas Award, and the NATJA Award for his books. He's won the Mark Dubois Lifetime Achievement Conservation Award, the Cine Gold Eagle Award, and six Telly Awards for documentaries. Hell, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I always have remarkable people on the show, but I don't think I've ever interviewed anybody who has got so many accolades. Now, Richard's wow. a, Richard's a uh, fellow member of a group that I belong to that I talk about regularly called Metal, and uh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the line. Hi, Richard. Welcome to the Bob Chart Radio Show.
2: Well, uh, thanks, thanks, and thanks for that intro. You, <laughs> ha- blessed, but...
1: you have done a hell of a lot.
2: Well, you know, a, a lot of it, uh, as you know, is is luck and endurance, so well, it's, uh, I'm, ha- I'm happy to be where I, where I am, and hopefully for a while
1: i think i think doing things is um is persistence and and being great at what you do but um winning so many accolades from your peers um means that you really are something special now you forged a business out of your passion and this passion obviously includes a great love and concern for the environment how do you maintain your passion and be commercial at the same time. Uh,
2: uh, well, <clears throat> that's a that's a very good question. Um, I, I sort of fundamentally believe that that you will find a measure of success, and, and success I think also includes contentment and happiness. Sure. Um, if you pursue uh, a passion and yep. and make it a lifelong quest and. And very early on in my career, I started my my first company, Mountain Travel, SoBeck, the Adventure Company, when I was just out of college, uh, and I discovered that I really enjoyed um, travel and discovery and exploration and and all the the, the things that we know uh, that come with that new sensations, a, a renewed sense of of wonder, the childlike sense of newness, all those things. And, and I started the company really just to to uh allow me I had no money uh, to allow me, yeah I guess all the entrepreneurs the and you probably
1: you probably owed a few dollars as well.
2: I did owe money you know from school and stuff, but um yeah. but i I um was able to be i think enterprising enough to figure out a way to get to Africa, which is where I started the company mm-hmm. and um, I, and and it was it was richer and, and more fulfilling than anything I'd ever done, uh, and started to organize more and more trips, mostly exploratory, uh, bringing along clients and friends and family sometimes, who would help underwrite it. And that miraculously, I think, but also maybe not so miraculously, because because there are many many stories of this. You mentioned Zuckerberg; his passion was coding, yeah, and um, and these things I think often happen if you if you continue to pursue something that is very, very um, <coughs> deeply moving to you as as travel always has been.
1: Yeah, I think if you don't have real passion, you might become moderately successful. But I think to become really successful, be able to give that commitment and that enthusiasm and be able to put in the 20-hour days if you have to, you've got to have a passion. Um, now, you were part of the founding team at Expedia, and that was quite a revelation at the time – What's next? Where do we go here? Are we we sort of saturated with the way this, the the mm-hmm. travel um, web's going? Huh. Uh,
2: well, I, I do think we're just still at the beginning of, oh, of un- fundamental change. Yes, um, and and I think the internet is is a is a sort of a travel exploration as well, um, and it's always excited me. I think in the same way that, that physical travel does, yeah. because it's the new frontier. And and every day, as we see, entrepreneurs are inventing. New ways to do things, new ways to disintermediate, uh, new ways to, um, uh, to bring transparency to, to, uh, to transactions and the world. Um, all these are wonderful things. Expedia, um, which, which had several close calls in its early years, um, yeah. um made some good decisions, some right decisions, and it, it took off, and it's now um, quite a successful enterprise. Yep. Um, <clears throat> but, um, uh, one thing it has not done, and no OTA, online travel agency, has done yet, is figure out how to, how to deliver in a meaningful, uh, way, complex travel. And that's, right. by that I mean travel, travel that, that, um, uh, typically includes, um, you know, multiple stop points and, uh, and, and ground transportation and, uh, and language <laughs> barriers and, uh, safaris, the, the classic thing. Um, it's virtually impossible to book a safari online, um, yeah. or any anything that's complex, a tour that's complex, um, because you need to talk to somebody. You need that comfort. You want to talk to an expert, and there are so many questions to the uninitiated that have to be answered, and so many variables when you travel uh, to, to, um,
1: <laughs> to a, a distant place. So, yeah, uh, so it's
2: not commodity travel.
1: You've um, you've pioneered so many unique destinations over the years. Is there anything unique left in the world, or have we, have we pretty much done this? It
2: it's always unique. It's one of these paradoxes that the more you see, the more you realize you have yet to see. But, yeah. but on a large map, um, I'm off to, um, to a destination next month that I've been hankering for and trying to put together for years, and that's North Korea. So I'm wow. I'm uh, I'm finally received permission after years uh, of of, um, of attempts to take the first American tour to North Korea. Wow! Um, and uh, it will be, I think, <laughs> unlike any trip that that uh, that we as Westerners have ever have ever um, uh, experienced or even imagined. So I'm very how, excited about that. How controlled is it? How controlled
1: your uh, your trip?
2: <clears throat> it's very controlled. Um, yeah. We um, uh, we will we will have overseers and handlers throughout, but there is there is a wilderness element to it, which is what I was trying to to negotiate for. We're we're doing a, a small uh, trek in the northern mountains against the Chinese border, and, and another similar one against the Russian border, uh, and then it's also a deeply cultural trip as well. Yeah. But it's um, it's unique, and I, I did the first trip into Libya a few years ago, and it opened up briefly and. And did the, the, the first trip to China in the 70s for Americans and wow. and and others. So that's 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 a passion to sort of unearth
1: um, places that have not been plumbed yet. So. Yeah. So when the rich and very famous, very rich and very famous want to organize a unique holiday or something extraordinary, they come to you. So two parts to this question. One, what's the most unique request you've ever had and secondly what are the rich and famous generally looking for is it a case of one upmanship or are they genuinely interested in something unique for the sake of it being a cultural and learning experience <laughs> well um, <laughs> uh, I would say uh,
2: it generally is, is not, um, um, not a bucket list I uh, think those those are things that you can really get and have a customized. at most travel agencies or many good sure. travel agencies, um, uh, I think, I, I have a, a clientele that that are genuinely and deeply interested in uh, in in a place and the people and the culture and the wildlife and and are looking to see it uh, in a way that's not available uh, right yeah um, ordinary methods. Um, I mean, I'll give you an example. Um, uh, I, I did a, a trip for, um, uh, at the time, he was the, uh, the richest person in the world, and, and my former boss and his um, family to Antarctica. Right. Uh, and he did not have the normal time frame that it takes to cross the Drake Passage from Ushuaia, Argentina, over to the continent and back by boat. So we arranged for um, a private um uh, plane, uh, right. a Hercules, the Chilean Air Force, and <laughs> flew them to a private yacht, and and camped on the ice itself, and and got to see Palmer Station, which is a scientific station off limits sure. for of tourists. Um, but all these things were arranged um, uh, because there was genuine curiosity. I think yep. many many of these people that you you are are um, addressing and um, and look to as success stories. Are people that are fueled by enormous curiosity, yeah. And I think that that comes—that's uh, what gets them
1: there in the first place.
2: Yes, I, and yeah. I think it's um, uh, you know it's this it's this um, this fire to understand, and
1: mm.
2: uh, and that's hopefully what what I can bring to the table in many of these circumstances.
1: I think that's I think it's just fantastic. Um, one of the concerns, I guess, is that. Um, Opening up new areas in the travel business means you bring lots of people, which means lots of wrappers and lots of Coke cans and lots of tramping over things that they shouldn't trample over and all of the things that go with humanity. Um, so how, how do you avoid that? How do you, how do you go and explore new things and open up new frontiers without sort of s- starting this rush of yobos excuse the expression <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. i know what you mean uh, it,
2: it is it is a dilemma there's no question about it um uh, i i have been instrumental in opening up certain parts of the world and certain activities um and watched in um in regret as sometimes places have become over-touristed and and the, the golden goose has been uh, has been cracked. Um, yeah. what, what made it special in the first place, which is often the wilderness qualities of it, no longer, um, exist as it did. Um, and it's a dharma. I know Edmund Hillary, um, who was on my original board at Mount Travel uh, always lamented that uh, Everest was far too crowded in, in yeah. modern age. Sure. Um, and that he would not go if, um, if he were given the opportunity uh, in the, in the 20th, 21st century, right. um, because, because, uh, it, it, just, it would paint the memory of this pure wilderness that he knew. So, um, I mean, there are two, two answers, two quick answers to, you, to your question. You know, one is to try to upfront right. be as conscientious and mind, mindful, um, in this type of travel and, uh, and impart these values and how important it is not to, not to have, um, um, horizontal travel. Um, mm. or one-way travel, where you're not yep. the mobile rich exacting yourself from the inert poor, but two-way travel and respectful travel. And the second is, I think, to look at the larger ledger, and that's that at the end of the day, but by people visiting these special places, they become emotionally touched. They become part of um, a constituency of people who care about a place, and yeah. every single inch of the planet is threatened in some way. Um, and when you get a constituency of travelers who fall in love with the place, they're the ones that will speak up and give effort and time to help preserve it when that threat comes down. Sure. Uh, and that's I've seen that happen many times in a positive way, only because travelers have have been there and appreciated
1: it. Well, I hope you're right because the world's a wonderful place, and it would, and we've seem to have managed to do a fair bit of damage to it so far. So I hope that. Uh... We actually can correct it. Richard, thanks very, very much for being on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show today. I, uh, I really do appreciate your time, and I look forward to having a coffee with you next Saturday. Yeah, so, I'd like that. <laughs> okay, so if you'd like to learn more about Richard's exploits, go to www.richardbangs.com. That's bangs and I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show straight after this short break.
0: Listen as two of Washington's most experienced insiders, Howard Marlowe and Michael Willis, divulged the strategies of the key players affecting legislation and policy matters every week on The Inner Loop. Unlike most talk shows, which feature hosts that have little to no experience working with the federal government, The Inner Loop is hosted by two professionals who actively work to influence federal policy on a daily basis. The Inner Loop is heard live every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back
1: to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, in this segment, we speak to people in the entertainment business about what happens in their lives and behind the scenes. Where do the trash magazines and DMZ worry about all that front of the cameras and all the scandal stuff? We want to know what makes entertainers tick, how they do business and why they do the things that they do. You know, we tend to think of entertainers differently than we think of most businesses, but when you really get down to it, entertainers are entrepreneurs running a business, which happens to be them, but just like the rest of us. Tonight, I have on the line Ben Arthur, who is an extremely multi-talented guy, lives in New York, and he's got a new album, his sixth, that's not bad, and a new novel, his second, about to hit the streets. So let me tell you about, a bit about Ben. He's no ordinary singer-songwriter. Not only is he a great singer-songwriter, but he's also a successful novelist and a video series producer and host. His previous five albums have all been produced in- independently and have all enjoyed great success. He's performed on national and international television, shared the stage with artists like Dave Matthews and Bruce Hornsby, Sophie B. Hawkins and a whole truckload of others. You've heard his songs on ABC, CBS, Showtime and PBS and he's had three half-hour specials on Sirius XM Radio. Now, I couldn't live without my Sirius XM Radio. It's a favourite thing in my life. (laughs) He's also hosted and co-produced Dubway Days, which is a really clever idea. It's a video series in which he writes and records a song with a featured artist such as John Wesley Harding, Tracy Bonham, to mention a couple, in a day. It's a lovely idea. Hi Ben, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. That is one hell of a track record and it seems like they're only just beginning.
3: Uh, yeah, honestly, when you
1: describe it like that, it doesn't sound at all like the life I'm living. Uh, it sounds <laughs> quite, quite, quite fabulous. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it does sound fabulous. But, you know, we know, we know that, um, you know, when you go and, I'm just picking a name, but when you go and look at Madonna, you see a two hour show. You forget that there's six hours of rehearsals every day for six months went into that two hour show. So, you know, the, the fun bit that you see on stage is not necessarily a reflection of their life overall. And, and like Madonna, most of my talent
3: lies around choreography and, and bustiers. Um, so I can see why you would go to that comparison right off the top.
1: <laughs> now, I've got a number of friends in the music business who are lamenting the dramatic changes that have taken place in the industry over the past few years, yet you as an independent have had five big-selling albums. What are you doing that a lot of label artists and former label artists aren't doing? Um, well,
3: I, I think it's very different, um, the, the effect of the, the Internet um, on, uh, on an independent artist than it is on um, a, a major label artist or, uh, or something like that. Um, the You know, the, the Internet has taken the legs out from underneath a lot of business models. I, sure. I was talking with a, an accountant the other day, um, and she said that she and her husband had gone to a three-year postgraduate accounting program, and now the only thing that they could... Find work doing was um, training people on how to use the software that replaced them. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, tragic. So, so it's not you know it's not just music that's had. I mean, think of travel agents. Sure. Think of what it's like to work in that industry these yeah. days. Yeah. Um, all of us have had you know this massive uh, paradigm shift shake um, to deal with, and you know for for those of us who are comfortable working from home or who are, are, are able to um, utilize the, the benefits as well as, you know, deal with the deficits. Yeah. Um, it It's maybe a little bit, um, a little bit more, more even or, or, or maybe, and I think this is true in my case, a little bit more positive than negative. So for example, having direct access to my fans instead of going through a middleman allows me to, for example, use, um, those contacts to set up house concerts. House sure. concerts are something that didn't happen ten years ago. But if I'm, you know, in the middle of Michigan on a Monday or a Tuesday, and there's no club that will have me, you know, I have a direct conversation with someone, you know, in Lansing who might say, "Hey, you know what? Come come through. I'll get fifty of my friends in my living room, and and we'll have a show." And okay. those shows end up being actually much more profitable than a show at a club because they're not dealing with the liquor license and advertising and, and, and staffing. It's sure. just a bunch of people in the living room. Yeah. So, so from my perspective, there's, there's a little bit of both. I, I think for independent musicians, it's slightly more positive than negative. But you know, to, to only shine a light on that and, and not acknowledge that you
1: know, sales have gone way down yep. um, through the normal channels would be disingenuous. So you've got your sixth recording and second novel coming out on September 11th, and they're both called If You Look For My Heart. And I absolutely love this concept. Concept, I think it's brilliant. Can you just explain okay. for us the connection between the album and the novel? Yeah, so they're, they're interrelated, um,
3: and songs that are on the album show up in the story of the novel. Most of those are, are people that... Um, that aren't me. Yeah. <laughs> so I had a, a friend, because I couldn't write about myself. Oh, Ben Arthur, he's so brilliant. Did he? Did you <laughs> ever see his booze? um yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> no, I didn't want to. So I had uh, Aesop Rock, who's uh, a very cool independent in hip hop. Guy uh, do some some of the lead on that. Rachel Yamagata, as a friend of mine, um, is an extraordinary singer songwriter. Um, sang some of the lead vocals on those tracks. Uh, but then there are also songs that that are just sort of about the themes uh, that are brought up in the book. You know, betrayal, sex, all that sort of good stuff.
1: <laughs> and, yeah, all well, the uh, stuff that happens those, to us all I... every day.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely the first. I don't know about the the, the last. But anyway, um, so uh, so the the two things end up being you know uh related and, and show up in, in each other, um, both thematically and, and storyline-wise. Um, and actually, the e-book is really interesting because, you know, if you uh, get the integrated e-book, you can actually listen to the songs as you're reading the book. So right. when... Rachel sings this song. There will be a file right there in your iPad, and you can click on it and listen to the song as she's singing it. As you're reading about her playing in this club and singing this song, which, as it happens, is talking about the experience of the character who's at the show. Um, so it, it. it's been a really fascinating process working on it, and very new, unlike anything that I've, I've ever tried to do before.
1: Well, I haven't. I actually haven't seen that before. I think it's a brilliant idea. Now you've Thank got. You. On um if you look for my heart, which I really I really loved, I only listened to some bits yesterday. Um but I love it. And if there seems to be many different styles of music on that. Um what's your approach when you're writing an album? Do you start is it is each song a passion that you you write about or do you sit there and think, Jeez, I've got to write a bloody hit record here? (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean,
3: if, if I thought of it that way, I'd I'd, I'd have been lost years ago. Yeah. Uh, no, I think that the way you described it at first is exactly right. It's it's an individual passion. Um, you feel drawn to do this thing, and that 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 excitement about trying something new. And 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 as you say, it's quite a disparate um, stylistic range that I that I work in. Partly because I couldn't have you know all of these songs that all sound alike. Um, work into the novel in a way that seems seamless. I mean, ideally, sure. yeah. someone reading the book or, or listening to the album, maybe not even knowing about the other section of it, w- wouldn't really notice anything, except maybe that, that it is sort of varied. Um, but uh, but it, it absolutely comes from that place of I, I want to try this thing. And, and in many ways, for me, um, being a little scared <laughs> to do it is
1: actually the sign that it's worth doing. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Now, you've spent most of your career as an indie artist, and now you've teamed up with my mate Mike Gormley at Yes Dear Entertainment. Why the switch, and why now, when you've had so much success being totally independent?
3: Uh, Well, we're still working. I mean, I've had albums that have come out on on labels. You know, I had a a record that came out on a Sony label uh, a while back. But it's really about uh, building, um, a, as with any business, building a, a network of, of believers and investors. Yeah. Mike is one of those believers and one of those investors. And, and you know we, we're working with an independent label called Sonoblast um, that are essentially acting as a, as a bank for all intents and purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, and saying, you know, we believe in this, this work too and we think there's a business model here. And we want to invest this capital yep. in this project to see whether, whether we can build it. And, and that's, that's really what it's about. In, in some cases, I've had more investors, in some cases, I've had less.
1: Yep. Um, but certainly, if you want to build something big, you have to build a big team and, and get yep. like some, some capital investment. Absolutely true, I agree. So now you've got this big team around you managers, agents, label, PR, radio promotion people. That's right. That, does this signify that you're now officially a star? This means it's sold out, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm completely um, working for Dow
3: Chemical. Um, so do you still no, consider yourself not, independent? Yeah. I mean, I wish it signified uh, that 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 means success. It just means that there are enough people out there who see the work I'm doing and and think, yeah, you know, I think this could be something which, you know, in some cases some of the people are are behind it because they believe in the art and the art speaks to them. Um, And in some cases maybe there are some people who say, hey, it's a check and I need a check. (laughs) Um, Ideally you want a little bit of
1: both. How will this team make this release different than others? Um, you know, it, it's exactly what you would think it is, you know,
3: when you have more dollars to spend, you have a bigger uh potential impact. Yeah. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, if if I release a record by myself and I do all the touring myself and I do all the booking myself and all all of the the merchandise et cetera, you know, my my margins are maybe bigger, but the But at the end uh, impact, of the day, you're bugged. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather
1: have 1% of of Microsoft than 100% of me. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I'll I'll go for that. Now, you've been in charge of your own career from A to B and done extremely well. So how do you handle... Receiving lots of different advice from different people. I mean, how good are you at relegating duties and not necessarily getting your own way? It may be a challenge I'm, for a I'm, while,
3: huh? I'm I'm rotten at it, and, <laughs> and <laughs> Me I <too>. I spend <laughs> yeah I know right I spend a lot of time wringing my hands and and worrying. I was up till three a.m. last night um, doing just that. Uh, you know, you really in in some ways it's a little bit like the art um, which you were describing before, i.e. you have to listen to that passion uh, in order to show you the way. And, 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 and business in business, in some ways, that's true, too. Yes, you, you get advice from, from people around you and some people have had experiences that you, you, you should listen to, absolutely. But at the end of the day, you have to be true to yourself, particularly in, in music and, and, and literature and that sort of thing. Because a lot of times, at least my sense is, people are, are listening for and watching for uh Truth, uh, both in in art, you know, because that's Absolutely. what we're doing. We're trying I to describe, yeah, we're trying to describe the world as we feel it and as we see it, but also as 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 performers, you know, because whether you're recording or, or writing or singing live, people are listening for that truth and and that yeah. resonance within themselves, even if their experience is different than yours. If they hear what feels to be the truth then they, they tend to react well to it. And people and I, who are phoning yep. it in, uh, people who are, who are doing something that sure. they think someone wants
1: to hear, generally don't sound true. Yeah, no, I agree with that, and I think that's becoming more and more true every day. Now, I, assume, right? you, I assume you have a personal life, so how do you keep your personal life <laughs> intact and, and separate from you know, the work? I, I know I travel a huge amount, and it is just so hard to balance those things. How do you do it?
3: The key is two cell phones. You use the one cell phone for the win. No, I'm <laughs> uh
1: You just got to remember work. which cell phone. <laughs> exactly.
3: That's the key. And make sure you don't send a picture to the wrong account. No, I, I, I mean, you know, it, it's it's really just a matter of, of, uh, of, of, doing the best you can I I have two young daughters and in fact right now they're in the other room watching a cartoon to make sure they didn't interrupt your your radio (laughs) um but you know you just do the best
1: you can and and try to remain true like anything else right Ben thanks for taking time out of your schedule today and and giving up this time with your daughters to speak to me (laughs) on the Bob Pritchard radio show now watch out for Ben's Ben's album it's truly an honor Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt
3: it's truly an honor thank you for having me on
1: Watch out for Ben's album and his new novel, both entitled If You Look For My Heart. They're released on September the 11th, and we happen to have a program that day, so I will remind you again about it then. Ben, best of luck with it. I'm sure they will both be huge successes, and I appreciate you being on the show. For more information about Ben, the album, or the novel, go to ent. Ent.com. So that's yes dear. ent.com And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard radio show after this short break.
0: The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Business Show. Coming to you this week from my hometown of Los Angeles, where we spent the days working our butts off so that we can stay glued to the Olympics at night. You know, in most Olympics, I'm torn between supporting the Aussies, my original home, and uh, the US, which is my new home. And uh, this year, though, I haven't had that problem because the Australians have done really poorly, so it hasn't been a dilemma. I had a couple of contacts come in with regard to Ben, the last interview that I did, Ben's website, if you'd like to get directly in touch with him, is www.benarthur.com. Now, 90% of the work that I do apart from this program it, with speeches and entrepreneurs and early-stage companies, so I'd love to tell you about new products that I think are fantastic and have a great chance of success. Now, as you know, early-stage businesses need help to get off the ground, so today I'm going to tell you about one that came to my attention this week that I think is terrific and they need some investment to take it to the next step. It's a fantastic tool for anybody involved in selling or buying shares. Now, the key to trading profits is accurate, concise, timely information. Traders Circle has developed a platform for the investment community that offers real-time, and, and delayed market data from multiple exchanges and enable social networking and other communication between its members. Now, most social networking websites focus on things like friendships and dating and status and photos and stuff, but others are focused on professional networking and business communications. Traders Circle is a social networking site focused exclusively on investors traders, and the investment community. Traders Circle provides real-time web and streaming market data and news from multiple exchanges and multiple feeds. And this enables Traders Circle members to track their portfolios, research investment opportunities, buy and sell financial instruments, and communicate with other members. This is all in real time. Now, two of the features that Trader's Circle offers that I love and that I use regularly are the prefix hotlink and the track ticker. The prefix hotlink feature, it allows me and, of course, any Trader's Circle members to access market and social media-based information on any company simply by typing in the trading symbol and clicking on the link that appears. The track ticker provides me with the latest news releases, blog posts, member comments, and a whole bunch more on the companies that I choose to track. So go to www.traderscircle.com, get their services for free, and if interested in helping them out with some funds and making yourself a great return, you can click on the Investor Relations section at the bottom of the page or you can email Trader's Circle for further details at ir com. But it's a great opportunity and I brought it to you because I thought it was fantastic when I first heard about it and after I used it, I loved it. So if you're looking for a great product, then try Trader's Circle. Remember, the Bob Pritchard Show is here to help small business like yours to succeed. Send in your questions. Email me at bob at bobpritchard.com. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Google+. I hope you enjoyed today's show, and I look forward to being with you again at the same time next week. Until next week, have a fantastic and successful time, and let's kick some butt.